0: This bonus episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Many of our brackets are busted, but there are some heavy hitters still in play in the NCAA tournament as we head into the Sweet 16. Who has the easiest path? Who still has a Cinderella story to write? We've got you covered from around the country. This is Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown. I'm Kenani Stevens, thank you for joining us in this special bracket breakdown preview where we look ahead to the Sweet Sixteens with a full panel of our Locked On hosts, Andy Patton from Locked On Zags and Locked On College Basketball, Zachary Anderson-Yoxheimer from Locked On UCLA, and Jonathan Damis from Locked On Longhorns are here with us to take you from the national perspective to the local perspective, as we do here on Locked On. We're going to start off with that West region, kicking things off on Thursday in Vegas. UCLA and Gonzaga are facing off. That's a rematch of that very dramatic Final Four game in 2021 that I'm certain both fan bases are going to remember and think about going into this game. Zach, I'll start with you. Do the Bruins have revenge on their minds, or is this kind of a different look for them this year?
1: Well, first, I think it's actually the anniversary, Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, oh, of the Heartbreak wow, City. Really, it's, uh, so it's actually, you know, a rubber match from years ago <laughs> when they had the crazy Adam Morrison crying, and then, mm-hmm. of course, two years ago, Jalen Suggs. Do the Bruins have a chance? Absolutely. It looks like guys who are banged up. Are going to be ready to go. I've seen David Singleton walking around, Adam Bona no sling. So these guys will certainly be ready to play the Zags.
0: Andy, the Zags got the best of them last time. But as, <laughs> as they mentioned here, we're it's kind of a rubber match if you want to look at it that way. Um, as Zag said. But what does it come down to this year in your mind? Is it Drew Timmy? Is there something else? What's the X factor for you?
2: It's, it's hard to not start with Drew Timmy. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, for UCLA, figuring out how to stop him, how to slow him down, you know, Dembona being healthy is a big factor for them. If he was still banged up with the shoulder injury, I think you'd be a lot more concerned for, for the Bruins. But uh, Gonzaga's defense has not been great this year. So as, as great as Drew Timmy is offensively, as many points as they're capable of putting up. UCLA is capable of putting up just as many, if not more, and, and Gonzaga doesn't have a Chet Holmgren to, to protect the rim and block shots the way that they did last year, and if Jaime Jaquez and Amari Bailey and those guys are able to get downhill, get towards the rim, I'm not sure Gonzaga is going to have as many weapons to stop them, so I think we could be looking at a, at a pretty high-scoring game, even though uh, UCLA is a very good defensive team, I think both teams are going to put up a lot of points.
0: Zach, is this stylistically the matchup that the Bruins would prefer? Is this something where they think they can play their own game or are they trying to adapt a little bit to Gonzaga?
1: Well, every game it's a bit of can the Bruins play defense, right? But mm-hmm. the big thing is can they handle you, Timmy? Can they handle the big in the post? Is mm-hmm. bonus shoulder good enough? Is it a Hawkeyes defensive matchup? Can mm-hmm. they rebound the basketball and can they stop Timmy in the post? Will be two very big keys. So stylistically, UCLA only cares about can they play defense and disrupt their, the opponents offense and generally every time they tend to do that but it's going to come down to can they hit the glass and do they have enough big men to handle Gonzaga's Drew Timmy and i know they got other guys but it really comes down to Timmy in this one
0: um looking ahead just a little bit for one of you it'll be a very tough matchup on the other side this whole section of the bracket is tough UConn and arkansas are gritty gutsy is there a team that you would like to avoid if we look ahead for your team which one would you not want to see in the elite eight uh andy we'll start with you
2: I don't want to see UConn. I don't really want to see either of these teams, quite honestly, uh, but UConn, Adama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon are two of the best post players, I mean, quite honestly, in the entire country, and they're both on the same team, and guard play is what wins in March, and we always hear that, and that's a refrain that's very common, but uh, a Gonzaga-UConn matchup in the Elite Eight would, would kind of be a post-dominated matchup. Uh, UConn's mm-hmm. guards have been inconsistent this year. Gonzaga's guards have been very inconsistent this year with a capital I there and I think it would be an interesting matchup but I think UConn's got a little bit more experience in the backcourt and I think Gonzaga would really struggle with Sunogo and Klingon in the frontcourt and uh, I think Arkansas presents a unique matchup as well with really really good uh, defensive guards and Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh and I think that would be a tough matchup but uh, UConn is playing really good basketball right now and I know they were struggled earlier in the year but I think if they beat Arkansas they'd have a good chance against either Gonzaga or UCLA quite honestly in that matchup.
0: Zach, what do you think they match up better with for UCLA if they were to make it that far?
2: Well, you know, I would just say Ken
1: Palm, I think, has UConn pretty high up there as well mm-hmm. with UCLA and all those efficiency rankings. But then you have Arkansas and mm-hmm. Eric Musselman, who's proven yeah. in the tournament, wherever job he's at, whether he's in Reno with Nevada, whether mm-hmm. he's at Arkansas, he's a dragon slayer. So we kind of <laughs> joked about this before coming on and doing this, the West mm-hmm. and the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight is absolutely stacked. And what Arkansas just did what to Kansas, it's just kind of mind-boggling. So there's no win-win. It's just survive and advance. And I think I'd rather not play Arkansas.
0: Okay, fair enough. Jonathan, we've been making you wait long enough, so we're going to take a look at the Midwest now because Texas is going to take on Xavier in Louisville on Friday. How does matchup stylistically does this look for Texas going and obviously they're they're playing great right now. But looking at Xavier, what does this matchup look like to you?
3: Well, Xavier is a a team that scores a lot of points. they like to get in transition. They average, I think, 18, 19 assists a game. So they're really good passing team, shooting 39% from the three. So it kind of looks, I think it benefits Texas in that they just played a Penn State team that does a lot of the same things. They really shoot the three well, can pass, and they get out in transition and get their shooters open. So uh, Texas is really going to have to come into this game with a defensive focus the way they have on the six-game win streak where they haven't allowed 70 points one time in the last six games. They're going to have to really lock down on Xavier and kind of play that pressure defense that has carried them to a big 12 conference championship into the sweet 16 thus far and really take Xavier out of their comfort zone and then on the offensive end they're going to do what we've seen them been doing in the past really these last six games is go to Dylan DeSue in the post and then have that excellent guard play outside of that and play inside out so I think this matchup favors Texas Xavier is definitely is you know a really tough team that is very worthy of being in the sweet 16 and you know and any other bracket can make a run but unfortunately mm-hmm. they're running into Texas on Friday and I think you know, Texas gets the win and covers in that matchup.
0: Obviously you mentioned that win over Penn state when Penn state made that big run, they handled it. They were fine and they did it without any help from behind the arc. As I'm sure many people have mentioned with only that one, three, does that kind of show you that Texas can win in a multitude of ways? That's obviously super important this time of year, but does that show you something where you feel like they can make a big run with this kind of roster that they have built?
3: Yeah. Well, it just shows you the poison experience they have. This is a team that has come down, um, come back from three double digit, uh, deficits under Rodney Terry. So when they got down three, you know, I know all Texas fans, including me, you know, started to get nervous. It was like, oh my God, here we go. Uh, but they were very poised. But yeah, it definitely shows that they can win in a multitude of ways. And that's what they've done all season throughout big 12 conference play against Gonzaga where they lit it up, you know, Andy could attest to that. And then against Penn state where they only make one three. So this is a very inconsistent shooting team. I think on the season only shooting about 34% from three, but they're battle tested and they've shown the ability to win when they're making, you know, 13 threes or when they're making one three. So they're going to have to continue that on Friday against Xavier.
0: Rodney Terry, has he shown enough yet? I feel like does he still have the interim tag or are we official at this point?
3: Rodney Terry still has the interim tag. If you're asking me, I'm not sure why, but you know, he's done a really good job and his team has done a really good job of, you know, limiting the distractions and like he says, just live where your feet are and focusing on game to game. But you know, I think he's done more than enough to earn the job, and hopefully, you know, he gets taken care of sooner than later.
0: Fair enough. I'll campaign for him if I have to. (laughs) Um, as far as let's look at, let's do a little preview to end this out, this segment for us, you guys final four matchups check your brackets don't go with what you originally had because i'm sure they're busted by now um but let's start with zach who do you have in your final four at this point
1: well it's funny because my final four is actually not busted i have pull it up yeah it's still alive everything else is going terribly but the final four is still alive (laughs) interesting picks i have i have ucla texas you'll like that jonathan tennessee And Mm -hmm. then in the top half, I think it's Alabama because it seems pretty open for Alabama. So Tennessee, Alabama, UCLA, and Texas is what I had.
0: Okay. Seems plausible, but nothing has been plausible thus far. So we'll have (laughs) to wait and see if that is true. Andy, what do you have?
2: Uh, Pretty similar. I I got Texas. Shout out Jonathan there as well. Um, Got the the Longhorns advance in there. And Alabama, same two at the top. On the bottom, uh, I have Gonzaga got to stick with the Zags. Uh, I think that's a couple of tough matchups there, but I think they have a chance to advance there in the final four. And then in the East region, I have Kansas state Uh, Marquise Noel has been playing extraordinary basketball. We talk about how much guard play matters in March, Tennessee, great defensive team, but they're missing their starting point guard. I think Kansas state's got a chance to advance there and, and be in the final four.
0: All right. Now, Jonathan, I think I can guess who you have coming out of the Midwest, but who do you have for the other three?
3: Yeah, definitely. University of Texas is coming out of the Midwest region. No surprises there. Chalk all across the board. Well, I guess it's not chalk because U of H is still in it, but we all agree it's consensus. We got Bama. No disrespect to Princeton and whoever else is in that, in that region, but I got Bama coming out. Tennessee, shout out to former University of Texas coach Rick Barnes. Look, I watched that Duke game. I had Duke. I was like, there's no way that Duke cannot outscore Tennessee. And Tennessee was out there playing prison ball, man. It was yeah. elbowing. You know, Kowski in the face, he had a cut under his eyes. So if the refs keep letting Tennessee play like that, they're definitely getting to the Final Four. And then I got Gonzaga. That's a tough bracket when you talk about Arkansas, UCLA, UConn, and Gonzaga. But Gonzaga, they just find a way to win in March. And I've been watching this team. That offense looks great, especially when they're playing through Timmy Allen. I mean, not Timmy Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Drew. <laughs> Drew Timmy. There you go, especially when they're playing through Drew Timmy. I love the way they're shooting from the three-point line. I think they get to another Final Four.
0: All right, guys. I think those are all pretty plausible. I'm going to save my picks for the next segment, where we are going to go over the South and the East. Thank you, guys, for joining us. Okay. March Madness is well underway, and now is the perfect time to download Fanduel, America's number one sports book. New customers get that no sweat first bet of up to one thousand dollars. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, super easy for you to use and you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes that are drained. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Welcome back to our Sweet 16 Bracket Breakdown Preview. I'm Kainani Stevens. We have covered the Midwest and West regions. Now we're going to look at the East and the South parts of this bracket. Locked on Spartans host Matt Sheehan. Locked on Bama host Luke Robinson. Locked on college basketball. Andy Patton still with us. They're going to go over that local perspective. We love to get so much. I will start off with the number one overall seed, Alabama. Alabama and Houston are the only ones. Still in it because Kansas and Purdue did not make it to the Sweet 16. So, in that regard, Alabama has not looked super challenged. Their section of the bracket. I'm you. I, you probably think I'm going to jinx you, Luke, but it doesn't look on paper on paper that difficult. Um, what's the biggest threat for them at this point?
4: Uh, probably complacency. And <laughs> look, I mean, this we you could say that uh, a few years, a couple years ago, when Alabama was uh A high, highly seated team, number two. Mm-hmm. They get UCLA in the Sweet 16. I know that was a COVID year. Everything was a little bit weird, but I remember distinctly I was uh, in in Colorado on a vacation and I was listening to sports talk, getting ready for it. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, you know, well, Alabama's going to come out of this bracket. There's no problem. There's no problem. I mean, all they got is UCLA and then they'll beat Michigan because Michigan's not playing well and da da da. Next thing you know, UCLA takes care of business. Um, really concerned about san diego state because they have so much experience i mean they've got a lot of fifth year guys and um they're, they're a good ball club they're, they're a really good team and then look even princeton i know they're a 15 seed but not just anybody beats arizona right and missouri has been playing very very well i know alabama handled them in the sec tournament but missouri's been playing very well kobe brown uh first team all sec great player and and princeton just dominated them. And uh, on top of that, Creighton, who everybody had in the top ten at the beginning of the season, they have a six-game losing streak because people get sick and Mm -hmm. uh, you had some other problems, maybe some injuries, and everybody thinks, oh, Creighton's falling off. Well, they mess around and get a six seed. They're kind of like Michigan State. You know, they're they're as dangerous as anybody as a six or a seven seed.
0: Andy, I'm going to have you chime in for on behalf of the other one seed still in this because Houston is, you know, for a lot of the year was the overall number one as well they had some injuries they have those guys back seemingly healthy how far can they go can they but before they make the final four they have to prove they're the best team in texas and beat texas so mm-hmm. can they make the final four
2: they got to beat miami first and, and quite honestly that's a really tough matchup for them uh, just speak from a guard perspective uh, jamal shen and marcus Asser are two of the best guards in college basketball they're both on houston they're fantastic but if you want to talk about elite guard backcourts, Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong is fantastic. Jordan Miller's a really big impact player for the Canes as well. Norchad O'Meara being healthy, I think this is a really tough matchup for Houston. I, I think they're the better team, and I think that they will probably advance. But they, I mean, I thought Miami and Indiana was going to be a more competitive game than it was, and Miami really took care of the Hoosiers in that one. And if they play like that, uh, I think they got a good chance of potentially upsetting Houston. If Houston does advance tough tough matchup as well against the Longhorns this is a very physical team uh, Houston's got playmakers Jairus Walker is an absolute superstar forward for them uh, but I think that looking at the, the path right now again without trying to jinx <laughs> Luke and Alabama uh, Houston's got a, a much more difficult path to get to the final four than the Crimson Tide do I, I think they can do it but uh, I, I have Texas coming out of that region and I think uh, I think a lot of other people do too and I can understand why
0: Very fair point. We don't want to overlook Miami because I think Isaiah Wong definitely gonna be an X factor in that. Because if we get first round Isaiah Wong, not great. If they get second round, Isaiah Wong, very great. So um we'll jump over and check in with Locked On Spartans because I know you were very excited the last time I talked to you. And (laughs) and rightfully so. They're headed to Madison Square Garden. You know, that's always a big stage to play on. And Matt, they when they make these deep, then when they make the sweet 16, they tend to make deep tournament runs in general. So this is a positive sign for you guys. So going into this, what is the ceiling for them right now? Can they make another serious run at this?
5: I, I think so. I mean, I went into that Marquette game saying that winner of this game, I think is going to head to the final four here. And mm-hmm. well, okay. I might have some pushback on that. I could absolutely see the Spartans heading to Houston. I mean, you got the coach for it, right? The guy that's been to eight of these final fours, the guy mm-hmm. that's been to 15 sweet 16s, And when he gets to the sweet 16, Doesn't lose often. I think it's just four Sweet 16 losses. So, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. But also, you have everything that you need for a March run. You have guard play, both offensively. Yeah, it goes without saying that. They're pretty solid. Maybe they didn't show it the last two games. Shooting a combined, what was it, Uh, 6 of 30 or 7 of 30 from 3. That didn't really necessarily show it, but... The rest of the year, look, you're shooting 39% on the season. What impressed me most was the defense, though. You get Boogie Ellis of USC in round one. Has his worst game of the entire year. Okay, Big East player of the year, Tyler Kolick. Another point guard from Marquette. You hit him in round two. Arguably worst game of the year for him as well. And, okay, great. We, we get Marquise Noel of Kansas State up next. That's a third dynamic guard in a row. Can you do a trifecta and do it three times in a row? Maybe uh, Michigan state has the dogs to do it. So yeah, I mean, they just have the ingredients that you need. So I, I it's, it's really, it's really hard not to get my hopes so high up because uh, when they get up there, it means you get hurt
0: when it doesn't work out, but I, I could see it working out.
5: I could see it working out.
0: <laughs> what's <laughs> the scariest work- part about Kansas state? They're up first. So what's the scariest part about them? Is it the guard play?
5: It's the guard playing, also Keontae Johnson as well. Um, six foot six guy. He could do it all. He had a great little career at Florida and then obviously transferred to Kansas State where he's picked up right where he left off. I mean, health scare and everything. I mean, mm. he is you know great from beyond the arc. He's great inside the arc. So yes, Michigan State does have a guy they can throw on him. They have Malik Hall, who plays solid defense. He still has a little lingering foot injury that is holding him back from being that true great defender that he once was. And then Jaden Akins as well, but he gives up two inches and almost 40 pounds. So that's who scares me. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm terrified of Noel as well. But at least you showed that you could limit what a guard can do. Again, can you do it for a third time? And also Keontae Johnson. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough cookie to limit.
0: We'll see. Fair enough. We'll, we'll stick in the yeah. East. Andy, I want to get your perspective. Tennessee. Technically wasn't an upset, but kind of felt like an upset. They took out Duke in a really physical game, which I think anyone that doesn't like Duke probably liked to see because it was it was fun to watch. Um, can they make it to the final four? Can they make it out of this bracket, this section of the bracket?
2: I wouldn't have said yes a, a while ago. I was pretty down on this team. I know a lot of people had them as a uh, first round upset to the Raging Cajuns. Uh, I, I figured they would advance there. I thought they were going to fall to Duke. Duke was playing extremely good basketball coming into the tournament. Uh, Tennessee. Was not. They struggled a little bit in the SEC. They obviously lost to Kai Ziegler to a season-ending injury. That's really a devastating loss for them. But now, at this point, there it's hard to discount them. I think the biggest thing for Tennessee is the lack of outside shooting. You look at historic numbers. The teams that shoot below thirty-three percent from three don't don't win the NCAA tournament. They just don't. And Tennessee they fall in that category. We've also seen this team kind of lose some some pretty inexplicable losses throughout the season and and rick barnes you know he has his reputation for for kind of struggling a little bit in march and i think you you put all that together and you can definitely create a narrative of of tennessee potentially falling here early maybe even falling to fau but i also think you're, you're looking at a team that they just beat duke they're the second highest seed that's left right now they have a they have a real chance. I I do think they do, but I'm not, I'm not betting on them. Uh, We have a saying on locked on college basketball to don't, don't trust Tennessee. We've been saying it for a long time and (laughs) I would feel silly not continuing to use that refrain right now, even after a nice win overdue.
0: To be fair, they are pretty much the definition of inconsistent. So um, I would not be surprised if they won. I would not be surprised if they lost. And I'm sure many viewers probably feel the exact same way. Um, Luke's on the road right now. So we'll check in with him just quickly because I do want to get everybody's thoughts on a final four. I'm sure maybe what everybody had for their bracket wasn't what they have going on now because I know mine isn't exactly the same. (laughs) But um, Luke, if if from the land of beyond you want to check in with us and tell us what you have for final four, we'll take it.
4: Yeah um I'm sorry it looks like I've disappeared into the ether here it's no always, worries. it's very reminiscent of that scene from the exorcist when that face just <laughs> sort of pops up in the middle of nowhere but um yeah I'm I'm look my final four I I had Houston Alabama Gonzaga Duke uh and I guess that's it uh, obviously, Duke's not going to make it. That that whole side, the, the east side, is gone for me. But, okay. um, the rest of them I feel good about. I feel good about my final selection, which is Alabama and Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I think that would be an unbelievable matchup uh, yeah. to have that again because the first game was so high-scoring. Brandon Miller scored, what, I think 36, 37 mm-hmm. points in that contest. Uh, Drew Timmy was unstoppable. It was a lot of fun in Birmingham. I'd love to see that same matchup in Houston, but I'd love to see Alabama play Houston again too. I mean, probably Mm -hmm. the two most athletic teams left in the tournament. Mm
0: -hmm. Fair enough. Um, Andy, you went over yours a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. who, if Gonzaga makes it, who would you prefer them to be playing? Would you like to see the Bama again?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Gimme Bam. I mean, like, yes, I think it'd be fun if Kansas State made it just from like the perspective of them being picked to finish last in the Big 12 mm-hmm. and making it all the way to the national championship. Um, I would prefer to play Kansas State from a likelihood of Gonzaga winning perspective as well, although I think those teams are both very good. But gimme Gonzaga Bama. I think that'd be so much fun. I could... I I say now that I could stomach losing, but if Gonzaga loses three times the national championship in a six-year span, I don't know if Mm -hmm. I could actually take it. Um, But that would be, uh, as Luke said, it'd be an extraordinarily high-level basketball game.
0: Trying to get to that, get away from that. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Exactly. Yeah, we don't
2: need to be the Bills in the '90s. Like I want to. Yeah, no one one. wants that. No (laughs) one
0: wants that. Matt, what do you have for your final four? Either what you had on your bracket or what you have now. I will take either.
5: Oh, the the bracket looks great. I still got all four of my teams in play. Um, No. Um, I do have Alabama, and I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to stick with Alabama here. I also have Xavier on my bracket, but can I just change that right now to Houston? And it's not because of anything Xavier did or didn't do. Like, Mm -hmm. Houston in the second half of that Auburn game looked like they could get the three seed in the Western Mm -hmm. Conference of the NBA. Like, they looked (laughs) Yeah. Un, unbelievable in that 20-minute span. So I got to go with uh, Houston. I'm you know, very chalky so far. And then I swear, Andy, I'm not uh, pandering to you, but I am going to go Gonzaga out of that region. Yeah, uh, yeah oh, believe me. Yeah, that's why I'm going to do what I'm about to do right now in the East region. And I'm going to go with Tennessee coming out of the East, yeah. uh, maybe even Kansas State. I just know it's not going to be Michigan State. Oh. And am I saying that? Am I saying that because Reverse uh, psychology. Uh, I psychology? Ah, oh, yeah, someone on this podcast, I don't want to name names, but someone here on this uh, little conversation went one and 10 in their best bets last week at the end of their little podcast they do. Um, so it seems to be whenever I say something, well, it doesn't necessarily always happen. So yeah, MSU, no shot whatsoever in the final four. But no, also on a real note, like Tennessee, yeah. like that looks like an organized gang fight with just an orange ball in the middle of the court, like, their defense. Like oh, they're yeah. number one statistically, and I test like they even look somehow better. So mm-hmm. I, I got to go with a tenacious defense, even with Rick Barnes as head coach. I'm going against my own gospel, <laughs> but I have to do it. So, yeah, Tennessee out of the East, unfortunately.
0: That'd be a fun one. I, yeah. in my not so expert opinion, most of my final four is still there. I had Bama, obviously, Houston, who I have as my winner. Mm-hmm. That's still in my, you might not like this. I have Marquette going pretty far. I had my, my final four, and I was. So did I. no here we go so i got busted there and then i'm i'm a big east girl so i had uconn in my final four too so i I still got a chance at this we'll see because uconn will is very tennessee similar they'll have Mm -hmm. it or they won't have it so that will be very obvious when that game begins against arkansas so we guess we'll have to wait and see how things go because we've had a ton of upsets thank you guys so much for joining me and of course we will just look forward to those games this weekend We're going to do some quick hits here for the hosts we didn't have with us live tonight. We'll start out with Locked On Vols. Eric Kane gives us his thoughts of the Sweet 16 matchup with FAU.
6: I'm Eric Kane with Locked On Vols, and I think one of the most important things in regards to a Tennessee victory against FAU in the Sweet 16 is Tennessee has got to settle in in a hurry. You've got to get off to a good start, all right? FAU loves to run. They love to pick up the pace. They like to shoot three-pointers. They're really efficient, one of the better efficient teams On the offensive end and the defensive end in the country, to be completely honest with you, they won 33 games. That's no shock. They are a good team and deserving to be in the Sweet 16. But I think it's imperative that Tennessee settles in early, gets off to a good start. Santiago Vescovi needs to lead this team, sink a couple early baskets. It would be great if Josiah Jordan James could kind of come to the party as well but you can't afford to go into a scoring drought at some point in this game, a six-minute scoring drought, a four-minute scoring drought, ending the first half on a a – seven-minute scoring drought. We've seen that too many times. So settle in, get your feet under you, take control of this game, and, hey, will not you steer into the, uh, the narrative there from the national talking heads who have never watched Tennessee basketball at all this season, you know, play your dirty game of basketball, right, or why don't you just continue to play physical like you've played all season long and, oh, yeah, on the praise of those of Nate Oates when Tennessee beat Alabama, John Shire when Tennessee beat Duke. Um, You know, the Texas coach and Kansas and so on and so forth. That's Tennessee's brand of basketball. So settle in. Get your feet under you, settle your offense, and play your physical brand of basketball. And I think those are some keys for Tennessee to go ahead and win this one. Tennessee right now, a small favorite, uh, 4.5 at the spread at FanDuel.com. I like Tennessee uh, and the points here, so give me Tennessee plus, that, four, uh, that minus four, that 4.5. I like the Vols in this one. And for more on the Vols, stay tuned to Locked on Vols uh, today and every day.
0: Over in that very talented Midwest bracket, Alex Dono from Locked on Canes tells us how Miami can take out number one seed in that region, Houston.
7: I am Alex Dono, host of Locked on Canes. Miami Hurricanes are in the sweet 16. In order to keep dancing in the Elite Eight, the Hurricanes are going to have to pull off a major upset. Miami are seven-point underdogs against an excellent top seed Houston Cougars team. For the Hurricanes to have any chance in this one, Miami needs to run. They need to play at their pace, which is fast, but you've got to hit your shots at a high percentage. As Isaiah Wong goes... So does Miami, the reigning ACC player of the year, needs to build on that 9-for-17 shooting performance that he had against the Indiana Hoosiers. And Miami must win and at least compete on the offensive glass. Norchad Omeer had those eight offensive rebounds against the Hoosiers. Miami needs to follow that blueprint once again if they want to keep dancing. The game is going to be 7.15 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. For more on the Miami Hurricanes, check out Locked on Canes, your team every day.
0: And finally, Locked On Cougs joins us with the details of how one of the two remaining number one seeds is going to be able to advance to the Elite Eight.
8: Cougs, how? All right, let's talk a little bit about how Houston will beat the University of Miami on Friday. This is a one versus five matchup, one of the better ones of the Sweet 16 as far as the seeding goes. The big way that Houston will have an advantage in this game is Frankly, if they can stay healthy, we both know that Houston has had some issues with health as of late. Uh, Marcus Asher looked pretty strong in the second half of that Auburn game. Looks like the groin's getting better. Jamal Shed's continuing to come back from a hyperextended knee. Uh, His knee, he's wearing the tights and keeping things warm and things like that. So I think he, again, with a week to kind of get back in shape, ought to be doing a little bit better. If the Houston backcourt is healthy, then I think the next thing you got to look at is how do they use that backcourt to control the pace right Uh, Miami plays a really fast pace at nearly 70 possessions per game average across the country is more like 66 67 and Houston plays more down at like 62 63 possessions per game so if they can control the pace with that guard play that'd be really really important the other thing that I feel like they got to do is they got to keep Shadow Omir off the board. We saw the impact he had against Indiana, against Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, Houston's got the bodies to do it, and Jarus Walker and Jawan Roberts and Reggie Chaney, and maybe even some Javier Francis, although that we'll, that we'll see. Um, they've got guys, and Tremont Mark does a great job of rebounding at the guard spot as well, uh, but Omir is a big-time rebounder and big-time impact player because of that. If they can do both of those things, Then they can kind of rely on like Sasser's better than Isaiah Wong and kind of do some one-on-one stuff there. I imagine if they're dictating the pace, that also means they're turning Miami over some because Miami can get careless with basketball, and if you make those careless mistakes count more in a lower possession game, then suddenly things start moving your way. This ought to be a competitive game throughout. It's going to be an exciting one on Friday night, but I do think the Coups come out on top. I'm thinking, let's say like, 68 to 60, somewhere in that range. High scoring, but not highest scoring by a stretch. Remember to subscribe to Locked on for the latest each and every day. We'll be talking Cougs all week long, hopefully all the way through the late day on Sunday. Go Cougs!
0: Thank you to all of our hosts for joining us here tonight. I'm Kainani Stevens. For more coverage of the NCAA tournament, make sure that you are subscribed to Locked on College Basketball, your team, every day.